Hey there, Zlatko here from Taco Agency and the host of Taco Talk Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today I had the opportunity to chat with Benji Hayam, who is the founder of Grow and Convert. Benji started Grow and Convert with his co-founder Devesh, simply because he was tired of working for somebody else and he knew the value that he can bring to businesses. Benji also co-founded Wordable, a SaaS product that moves blog posts directly from Google Docs into WordPress, and it was acquired in 2017. Previously, he ran marketing for two venture-backed startups in San Francisco. When Benji's not working, he loves to surf, travel, cook, and most importantly, eat great food. I had a great time talking to Benji about his growing company and how they operate on a day-to-day basis and what makes them unique amongst a lot of the other content marketing agencies out there. It was an interesting journey, to say the least. You can find Benji on Twitter, at Benji Hyam. That's spelled B-E-N-J-I-H-Y-A-M. He's extremely responsive on Twitter, and you could probably learn a lot from his Twitter feed and just checking out some of the content that he posts. I hope you enjoy listening to the episode. Why don't you kind of just introduce yourself, uh, what you do, and all that good stuff, and then we can just kind of dive into things. Sure. Um, Benji Hyam, I'm a co-founder of Grow and Convert. Uh, we are a content marketing agency and basically the differentiator between what we do and how most agencies operate is we measure uh, ourselves by conversions. And so we align our goals to what a company would want from content marketing, which is um, they want leads, signups, whatever the main conversion goal is. And we prioritize our whole content strategy around driving that as opposed to just uh, traffic. Um, right. pre- previously, I re- uh, we also co-founded a software product called Wordable, which we sold in 2017. And then prior to that, I ran marketing for a couple of startups and held various different marketing roles inside of different companies. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that, that, that Wordable, I definitely want to touch on that because uh, that's actually a really, really interesting little concept. Uh, we're actually, um, I don't know how much uh, Nat talked to you about it, but we're doing something similar like that on the on the Shopify side of things. So um, oh, nice. it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, but anyways, uh, so tell me about um, kind of like when you started growing Convert, um, you know, were you a lone soldier in the beginning? Uh, you know, how did, how did it all come about in terms of getting to the place where you you know uh just really interested in a lot of the content stuff that you saw at your previous jobs and you're just like hey i can like knock this out of the park so kind of what was your game plan because i know i had my game plan when i was working with a different agency so yeah i didn't really have a game plan to be honest so grow and convert originated because i was really unhappy in my last full-time job uh, i was running marketing for a software startup in san francisco i had a boss who i just completely didn't like. Uh, We just didn't get along at all. And so I was looking for any way out of the company, to be honest. So from from two weeks in, uh, I just knew it was not a good fit for me. And I had started applying for various jobs. And I went down that path for six or seven months um, while I was still working in the company, just doing interviews on the side, trying to get out of there. And for one reason or another, every opportunity fell through. I would get to the final stage of the interview and get beaten out by someone or the job was just no longer, they were gonna hire for it or something like that. And then towards the end of this process, uh, I went to a dinner in San Francisco where I met Davish, uh, who's my now co-founder. 
and we were just talking about content marketing at this dinner and he was explaining how content marketing wasn't working for him to grow his CRO agency. And I just kind of told him it's because he was doing it wrong. And that just led to just a bunch of conversations and kind of realizing we had different skill sets. Um, he was mainly focused on the CRO side and very well versed in analytics. And I had done, like run growth for a couple of startups and had done the content side and the content strategy side. And so he, he just had these really interesting thoughts. And I, I, I said, I just kind of want to start a blog to just kind of share all the learnings that I've had throughout my career. Would you be interested in contributing to it? And he said, no, because he, he he's like, I don't need another project. I already have enough on my plate. And so I just, I kind of started writing. And after the first couple blog posts, he kind of, I, I guess I kind of convinced him and he saw that I knew <laughs> what I was doing as we were starting to grow a little bit of an audience and he came on board and that was kind of the, the origins. And so at, at the time I was still working inside of the a company. The goal was just a way for me to kind of share expertise and I was in a company who I feel like didn't appreciate any of the work that I was doing or my thoughts or strategy. And so it was a way, it was like an outlet, a writing outlet for me just to kind of share what I knew in marketing with, with other people. And once we launched, we got a really good reception right from the beginning. Um, people are just saying it's really refreshing to hear people go in really in depth on strategy and kind of share their experiences and, I finally got fed up and I quit uh, two months after I, two or three months after we started the blog and I moved to Bali and just decided to focus on this full time. But we didn't really have a business model in mind. The, the, in the beginnings, it was just the thought process was let's grow an audience first. And if we have an audience that is interested in what we're doing, then eventually we can create some sort of product to to sell to them and so that was kind of that's kind of the, the whole the whole story from the very beginning i love it man i love it that the grind man i love it um so are you where are you currently based you're not it's still in bali are you no no i'm in san diego now so oh, okay. I, I grew up in san diego moved to san francisco for a couple of years main motivation behind that was uh, i just wanted to work in startups and grow them from the ground up so i could learn that and the goal was to eventually start my own business i just never thought it would be an agency in fact right. i wanted i wanted something as far away from an agency as possible and ended up with an agency <laughs> yeah exactly exactly no man that's awesome so did you have a, a writing background like what was your kind of process in getting you just kind of started word vomiting in that in the in that kind of case and just started making something or what how, how was how did that come about cuz i mean right Writing doesn't come naturally to me. I'll tell you that much, man. Like I'm, no. a, I'm a Grammarly person, man. I throw, throw everything through Grammarly and make sure it sounds good. So, uh, yeah. Well, yeah how, how did... Me neither. So I, I'm not a writing person at all. I don't. I don't consider myself a writer. Don't don't have a journalism background. School wise, the most the closest I got to journalism is my degree is in integrated marketing communications, and so the latter half of my college I actually did take journalism classes. Okay. But I was never really interested in, in writing. It was really in my first job, I joined, uh, I worked at a company called Vistage International. Uh, they do CEO coaching. And I 
joined as a social media coordinator and my first task that my boss gave me was just to do something with the blog they oh okay at, at the time they had put like hundreds of thousands of dollars into trying to grow it and weren't able to do it successfully and so she kind of just let me take over it and so i started working with these different writers and one of the tasks that she gave me was i had to write a blog post for the blog and oh. i was dreading it because I'd never written a blog post. I didn't know anything about them, but I, I remember I wrote a blog post on Snuggies because Snuggies were ex <laughs> what a fucking yeah. talk. <laughs> yeah, especially especially for like a, a blog that faces all business owners that like pretty successful ones too. But I I had written about how the Snuggie was taking off, and. Right. The blog post got something like 400 views and I was like, oh, this is actually really cool. I can write something and put it out there and 400 people want to read what I have to say. And so that was kind of what got me hooked. And then um, another thing that I was doing inside of the company was I was training a lot of the CEOs on how to prospect using LinkedIn and how to set up their profiles. And I was doing a lot of these one-on-one uh, -on -one calls with, with each of them and it was taking about 20 hours a week. And so I just decided to write a blog post explaining the training that I did. And that one took off and I think it got 20,000 views. And I think after that, that's, that's what got me hooked on it is I just started to realize one, writing for me was a way to clarify my thoughts. And two, it was just a way that I could reach thousands of people. And I think that's kind of what got me hooked on the, on the writing side. That's awesome, man. That's, and what year was that? What, when did you get that going? That was 2010. Oh, damn. So that was a while ago yeah, then. Yeah, 10 That's years cool. ago. When, when was the birth of Grow and Convert after that? Uh, Grow and Convert started in 2015, just as the blog. Um, and then we didn't start the agency until 2017. So there was an 18-month period um, between starting the company and then trying four different products that failed before we finally landed on the agency. Oh, love it. Love it. And how many people are you guys right now? Good question. I think around 12. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's so funny that you say good question because I was, whenever I talk to any clients, they're like, so how many people are you? I'm like, ah, dude, I think we're like 18, 19, something like that. It's just you sometimes lose track because there's so many damn things going on, man. So, yeah, there are. And it's like contractors for different things. And it's just like, right. yeah, it gets kind of confusing. Are you guys mainly uh, contract, uh, contract based or are you guys have actual employees and all that? Uh, we have both. It just depends okay. on the role and it right. also depends on the state and the laws in the state. So and uh, everyone who's in California is an employee uh, and then some of the other states we have contractors in. Oh, love it, man. Love it. That's awesome. So tell me just based on your kind of your experience at your at, at the startup jobs and the other company and everything. How did you kind of take what you the way you were treated and people didn't appreciate your work? How did you bring that into like when you're running your own team now? How do you guys kind of like, hey, guys, like I'm working completely differently. I want to do what they didn't do for me type of thing. Like, is that the mentality or do you have some sort of like special sauce that you kind of stirred up while you were doing things on your own and just like, hey, I'm never going to treat people like shit like that? Yeah, I think I don't think there was a clear answer when we first started. It was just kind of like, let's let's start a business and see where it goes. I think the the two things that Davish and I agreed upon from the very beginning. Uh, we wanted it to be remote because I didn't want to have to be 
it back in San Francisco and I was traveling around at the time. Uh, and we wanted it to be like a flexible work life as well. And so I right. think those, those two principles were the most important things. And, and yes, I do think that all of the negative experiences that I had throughout my career, uh, which there were a lot beyond just that one company, um, kind of shaped what not to do and, and how to do things differently. So now um, the philosophy is we're always going to be remote. There's no growth goal, really. Like, I don't, I, don't, I, I feel like you point, don't even have a choice at this point because of the whole COVID thing. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, no, it really benefited us now. But I think yeah. even even beyond that, it's, I, I think the things that are really important for us. So it's like stay remote. Uh, there's no growth goal. So I, from some of those, the startup experiences, I just learned that money wasn't always the best goal. Um, and, and, it, and focusing on a certain revenue number in a certain period of time forces you to maybe, maybe make the wrong decisions for the wrong reasons. And so our main goal is just to be the best content marketing agency out there. And Love so it. that is what informs all of our decisions. It's, it's, it's mainly how can we improve the service for every single one of our clients and how can we continue to just be the best so that no one can compete with us. And then we think if, if you're able to do that, the money and the growth and all that kind of stuff will follow. But I think if you focus on the money first, it leads you to kind of make short-sighted decisions that optimizes for short-term revenue instead of focusing on more of a long-term goal. And so I think that that informs pretty much all the decisions that we make inside of the company is just how can we continue to improve the service and, and just um, make it as good as we can for our clients. And then there's, there's other things that we've kind of implemented. So like there's no set hours. Um, I think the way that our agency operates because it's a productized service, there's a lot of clarity on what the deliverables are every month. And I didn't want to force people to work cer certain hours, like right. from what, I, from having worked inside of multiple different companies, you realize that just people are best at their work at different parts of the day. Some people yeah. like waking up early, like I, I'm an early riser. There's other people that aren't and some people get their work done best late at night or something like that. And so it, it was more, we have this concept of outcome driven uh, versus output driven. So we're less concerned about how many hours someone takes to do their job and, and certain people are more efficient and, and can take less time and certain people, certain tasks take more time. And so, right just focusing on making sure that everyone is doing work to the best of their ability. However, there's, we don't force people to do work in any certain way, really. It's, it's as long as they're getting their work done and they're proud of the quality, whenever they, when they choose to do it, whether they wanted to work on a weekend or a night or a morning, or they only want to work three hours a day, that's cool with us. And we don't really check in on any of that stuff. I love it, man. I love it. I love the flexibility because, uh, yeah, I got to say, man, I, I was kind of the the person that in the beginning it was, you know, we're a development design company. So it comes down to like, you know, if there's a fire burning on the website, we got to attend to it. I guess you guys are in a little bit of a different. Is that a Topo Chico, by the way? It is. Dude, I love those. The grapefruit flavor, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So for, for us, it's like, 
as much as like sometimes we do have to huddle in together you know during the day and like kind of talk about you know features and different things like that i guess in the writing world it's a little bit different i know my head of marketing we we handle some content creation and different things like that and i know that's more of like on the whim and like do it when your creative juices are flowing so that makes you know all the sense in the world but um no i love that man i think uh, that that was one of my things from the previous agency that i was kind of contracting with is like taking a lot of those things to see how people were working and be like ah, i never want to do that part or you know this is something that's really really cool and i would take this with me everywhere type of thing whether i'm have a job or running my own business or you know whatever it is so no that's that's really awesome and I, I respect that um one you, thing that i'll elaborate on on just this that yeah. that that point made me think about is i think davish had an agency and he, he had been in the agency world right I, I had never worked in an agency before and so i think i i had been actually managing like agencies on the vendor side but i think not coming from the agency world we were able to rethink a lot of the ways that agencies worked and and questions why a lot of things were done the way that they were right and kind of rethought if we were to build an agency or just kind of think about the business model from the ground up how would we approach it differently and yeah. i think that's what led to a lot of the decisions that we made in terms of how to structure the agency like overhead, like we realized that most of the agencies, the, the cost expenses went into overhead. So like expensive office spaces and then yep. like high salaried people. And so we thought, we rethought kind of the model and said, we don't really need the, the, the expensive place. And then in terms of the people, um, everyone, we basically every single person that works for us can optimize their their work life for money or for lifestyle and Love so it. they can choose to take on more accounts and make a lot more money or even it, it breaks it, the the payment breaks down into every single thing that we do so they can they can get paid for managing strategy for an account writing more pieces editing more stuff so everyone can kind of mold their work life towards their strengths so if they want to optimize their work life just for the strategy portion, they can do that. If, they, if they're really good at writing and fast at that, they can take on much more articles and make money that way. And so there's complete flexibility in that and no one's really capped at a certain salary. And I think I that it. it's kind of unique, I think, in the agency world and, and, and just kind of like work life overall. I always was frustrated by being locked into a salary and then having a company say, Oh, you should be really happy. You're going to make 5% more this year. Right. And we're going to give you a raise. And you're like, well, 5% on what my starting salary was isn't really it's anything. And, yeah. and so allowing people to, to kind of excel as much as they want, I think was, was a principle that we also wanted to bring into the agency. I love it, man. I love it. So tell me, tell me about um, kind of like the different tools and things that you guys had to adapt, obviously being remote, you know, we have the Slack and the Google Docs and the whole suite of things and all that stuff. Um, the one thing I do really want to touch on as we kind of go through this is the I think there's so many different tools out there. I mean, you go on product hunt and every day it's like a plethora of new crap that's thrown out and you're like, I can use this, I can use this, I can use this. And you come to find out that everything's just fragmented all over the place. And then Zapier brings everything together somehow. And then, you know, all this other stuff. So tell me like kind of what, 
tools you guys prioritize, um, how effectively you guys use something like maybe like a Slack or whatever the tool is for communication. Are you guys like an email based company where everything is, you know, kind of in the forefront of like, send me an email and I get to it when I can, like, where are you guys at with your processes? Yeah, that was a whole learning experience. Um, yeah. <laughs> Every day I feel I, like it's a learning experience. I think the best way to describe tools is tools help you optimize an existing process. And there's no reason to just go out and get a tool just for the sake of having a tool. Right. Um, and I, I think there's definitely the companies that have tool fatigue because they just, they see a bunch of these cool tools that are supposed to help them do something. That's not how we think at all. So we're very minimal on tools. And it, again, it's only to improve something that's already existing. So the tools that we do use Trello, is probably our main hub for all client communication, as well as just the entire overview of our, our business. Um, so the way that we structure Trello is there's a, a column for I, like content ideas. And then when something's in the writing stage, editing, client review, promoting, so you can visually see as um, each piece of content that were created creating is is moving along and where it's at in the process um, clients can come in and comment their uh, editing and all that kind of stuff just everything is done in trello so it's all trackable uh, and it's all related to every single piece of content that we're producing so that's kind of just the main system that we use to run our whole business every single client has a, their own trello board there's a dashboard a live a data studio dashboard in every single client board where the client can come in and see the results at any point in time. So the idea was just to bring full transparency to the client management experience as well, because having worked with other agencies, we realized that most of the time you weren't updated uh, on where things are at until you have like a monthly call with them. And right. we just wanted the ability for a client to see a full overview of where things are at at any point in time. So that's kind of the main tool we use for just managing our own uh, internal operations as well as a lot of the client management. We use Slack. Uh, it's mainly just to go deeper on certain conversations or have private conversations with people. I'd say the public channels are less um, active than probably a lot of the DMs are. We do right. have uh, client channels where we share like wins or just where, where results are out for the month or if there's any general questions that other people that are working on the account need to be brought into. Uh, that's kind of what we'll use there. And then really beyond that as just kind of like operational tools, uh, we use a tool called ClearScope that helps us with on-page optimization. Uh, we use okay. Ahrefs to, to, to look at uh, SEO stuff, but beyond that kind of stuff and like Zoom calls like this for right, meetings, right. but beyond that kind of stuff, that's really all we use is pretty minimalist on, on the tool side. Oh, I love it. I love it. No, let me ask you about that. Cause we, so I was always very hesitant and I tried to bring this into play at one point and it just like with the whole Trello thing, like giving that full transparency to, to the client, I, I was always kind of in the middle ground. It was like, if you give them if you give them an inch, they take a mile and they start abusing the system. And then if you don't give them enough, then they want constant updates. And it's like, where do you find that middle ground? We actually, and, and I think part of it also for us was like getting people to use those tools. Cause like, I'm sure they've worked with other agencies. They've used, you know, 
Asana, they've used Jira, they use all kinds of different tools. And then you just throw another thing at them. The thing I came across a lot of the time was like, people just don't want to use it. They're just like, no, I'll just want to send you an email because I'm used to email. Do you guys have some sort of like onboarding process where you go take the client through the process and they say, hey, when it's here, it's your turn to look at it. Do you guys assign it? Like, how clear is that? Because I feel like even Slack, it surprises me, honestly, that, you know, a lot of people still kind of let clients into their, you know, every day. It's almost like letting them be in your room at all times, almost like, I feel like they would just be pinging me all the time. Like, Hey, yeah. can we get this done? Can we get this done? Can we try to do this? It's just like, man, like I got other things going on at the moment and I don't want to be this like immediate response person. Like, let me take care of it. It's not urgent. Like, let me take care of it when the time is right. Yeah. Yeah. All fair questions. I think to, to address just clients and getting them into tools, some some clients have their own like project management system like they, they might have a base camp where a lot of the internal communication happens we'll we'll join those just in case we that's the best way to ping them right um but we'll still use trello as as the main source of truth for our company we're not going to budge and say we're going to do um manage manage the content for their account in some other system right 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 it, it's it's our system we have a set process and we explain to them when we when we do onboard them how it works and they can be as involved or, or it's not involved in there as they want so that that's kind of up to them it, whether they want to use it or not um, but it helps us manage all our internal communications and and our own process and so we're not willing to go outside of that to Asana or something else. Do you uh, do you ever have those clients where you're like, oh, I'm not letting this guy into the into the Trello board. He's just gonna be constantly pinging yeah, me. You know, we have had some of those, and and so like, sometimes people jump into a piece and give feedback before it's even right. ready for them. That kind of stuff. We'll, we'll just if if we have that, it, I'd say it's rare. It has happened a couple times for sure. Um, those clients typically just don't end up working out and we right, usually let, right. them, let them go. Um, right. But, I mean, we'll just, we'll just say, Hey, this is our process. When it gets to this stage, then it's ready for your feedback and try to just guide them as much as we can through that on the Slack thing. We don't let clients into our own Slack. Uh, however, we will join their Slack again, if that is the best way to communicate with them, if we need something, um, if we have questions or something needs to be run by someone on their team, then we'll join the Slack and just use it just to communicate quickly with them instead of right. email. So it, nice. it's just, we just try to optimize everything towards the preference of the clients, but just keep our internal systems, uh, the way that they are as much as we can. Yeah, man, it's, it's hard because then the minute you start using other systems, people are getting, having a hard time adjusting to it. And they're like, which project is this and where's this at? And just, so uh, yeah, no, that's good. It's something, something for me to rethink again, I think at this point, because I think now that everyone's remote, there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit more of that. Okay. Maybe I need to learn to use this tool because we are, you know, having to use a lot of people didn't even use zoom before COVID hit to be honest with you. So it's, it's like, true. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, now you got to start using task management tools and all this. And I talk to people all the time and they still handle all their stuff through email. I'm like, why? There's like a thousand tools that are free out there that you can just try out, see how they work for you. And, you know, some people are just stuck in their ways. And I mean, I guess that's okay too, but, um, you know, not, not for me at least, because there's like way too much stuff going on. Um, and how does it, how does it work for you guys? Like, 
you know, how do you, uh, one thing I'm always curious about because we have our own obviously vetting process and I'm happy to go into, but like leads coming in, for example, like your sales process, are you guys like a CRM based company where you use CRM or anything like that? Or does it go directly to you and you kind of just make the call? Like where's, where's that process at for you guys? Yeah. Volume was never a huge issue and up until probably recently. So a lot of, a lot of things were manual. So yeah the form on our site would send an email to David and I, and then from there we would qualify the person before hopping on the phone with them. Uh, we asked them questions such as like, how many customers do you have? What are the channels that are driving um, sales right now? Um, who, like what's their competitive advantage or who, who the target customer is? And then we share our pricing right up front before uh, we ever hop on a call with them. And then from there, we just kind of do everything manually after that, just set, setting up the calls and that kind of stuff. And then uh, now recently, well, and we also, we would also manually add them to a spreadsheet or that's our CRM. Um, now we have Zapier, like there's a Zapier automation off the email form that automatically fills the spreadsheet now, but we still do a lot of the email communication manually. Interesting. Interesting. Is there a reason why you guys don't use like a CRM based system for whatever reason? Do you find it more easier to be manual or is it? Yeah, we just don't need it again. It, right. Until it becomes a big enough pain point where it's just, it's taking up a ton of our time. It, it's not a huge issue to us. So again, going back to the, the tool thing, a tool really helps you optimize an existing process and save time on something. And if the process is working and it's not a huge time suck, we don't really see the need to buy some expensive CRM software because it really doesn't do anything for us. And, right, and right. because we, we manage our own sales. So it's not like, I, I think a CRM is best when you have a sales team and there's handoff between multiple people. Davish and I still do all the, all the sales for the agency. And so again, the, the, the communication, and, and the notes and all that kind of stuff isn't lost in translation. There's not sequences that we're sending out and all this kind of stuff. So at this point, there's just really no need for a CRM. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I always found it, that I was trying to do a little bit of that manual thing. And, and nowadays it's like, we had to automate basically the whole process just because there's just like an influx of, you know, things coming in. And then it's like, who's going to pick this up? Who's going to do this? Like, we kind of have the whole process like automated where it's like, when certain things are mentioned, like this, it goes to this person, all this. And I came to find out, man, it makes life so much easier. Like, especially doing me doing mainly all the like sales calls. Uh, I, I don't have a uh, necessarily a co-founder. Like I have managing director and things like that. And to me, it was just one of those things where I was like, dude, I'm going to be suffocated in emails all day long. If I don't have, you know, a little bit of delegation, at least like I still touch every single email. I'm over. 90% of the time, I'm the first one to like get on it. And that's one thing I came to find out more recently in the past like couple of years. It's like sharing that price up front, man. Like it filters out all the BS. Like sometimes you get these people that just come in, like they know you're out, like you're kind of your hourly type rate. Cause you know, for us, it's, it's kind of hard at this point. We're not a value-based pricing at the moment and certain projects we are, but 
you know, come to find out they're just want something done for, you know, 500 bucks. I'm like, man, like by the time I get this project set up and we get everything dialed in, I'm burned through your, <laughs> your entire budget. So, yeah. uh, but no, that, that's really interesting that you guys don't use a CRM system because I, I, I see, I see a lot of value in it. Like we use HubSpot, for example, and there is just, you know, so much there that we use for managing our social media and like all this other stuff, email marketing, like everything else. And it's just sometimes nice to see that full life cycle of that customer. Like, because we send our onboarding documents through there and making sure that the whole process is, is automated because there's so much other noise going on in terms of, you know, projects and when things are going to be done and all this other stuff. So it, that, that's actually kind of a, a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, now, tell me, tell me a little bit about Wordable. How did you come up with that idea? And, and, and uh, I mean, if I may ask you, who acquired you guys at that in 2017? Yeah. Um... If that's private information, don't worry about sharing it. I'm okay with it. You don't have to tell me, but I'm just wondering because that's a that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, so it started because when I was in Bali, uh, we so we had this goal at the beginning of our website to try to grow to forty thousand uh, readers in six months. And in order to do that, I think three or four months into this challenge, we realized that we needed to start accepting guest posts to uh, up just the volume of content on our site so that we could hit the page view number. And when we accepted our first guest post, I remember trying to upload the, the whole guest post from Google Docs into WordPress and it probably took me like four hours yeah. um, because one, there was extremely slow internet in Bali. So I had to download each yeah. image <laughs> manually and then re-upload it. And it was just, it was a huge pain. And I had also kind of experienced this in my previous job where we had a bunch of freelance writers that were writing for our blog. And so I had a VA that was just doing all this stuff. And so I called Davish and I just told him about this. And I was like, oh, this post took me four hours. I'd rather just write the blog post myself at this point because it's probably faster than uploading someone else's. And he happened to have a conversation with his friend who's a developer, uh, and he built the first prototype over over the weekend. Oh wow! And and it, and the prototype was just to help us with this problem. Right. It wasn't it wasn't with the intention of having a product that we would sell. But I remember the first time that I tested it, I was just like, "Wow, this is a game changer!" I know so many people have the same problem. We should turn it into an actual product. And so we built a front end to it, and I think a few weeks later we launched it. And so it was just really to solve our own problem and just knowing the space and in the industry well enough, well enough and know that people paid VAs and spent like resources on this, it, right. it just made a lot of sense to turn it into a product. And so we launched it in 2016, I think in April and we sold it uh, early 2017, I think, or no. No, maybe late 2017. Yeah, right wow. after we had right after we had started the agency, uh, we decided to part ways of it just because the agency was taking off, uh, and it was bringing in about 10x the revenue that the the product was bringing in, and so we just kind of had to look at where to focus our time and effort, and the agency just seemed like a way bigger opportunity. Right. Uh, and so we just decided to part ways. And so we had just been kind of having conversations internally about potentially selling it. And um, 
someone introduced us to someone who was interested just kind of randomly. Wow. Um, and, and so we had sold it and, and the guy who bought it was, uh, working as I think product marketing person or no head of digital products at some large enterprise company. And he was just kind of looking for a side project. And I think he was thinking about leaving. And so it was just kind of like a perfect product for him to, to test Love his it. own skills out growing. Was it like a freemium uh, thing or did you guys, was it like a free stage of it and then pay for it? Or was it straight up like you pay us every single month and, and kind of go from there? I think and how was the, the user first, growth, I guess, as well? How did you guys get users? Yeah, the initial launch we did on AppSumo. Okay. Um, so that brought in the, well, that was after the initial launch. We launched it just to our email list that we built on our site and that got us the first flood of users. I think we got to like, two or $300 in MRR, like just with that. And then we launched to AppSumo, which I could go back and forth on whether that was a, a, a good thing. Uh, it, it was, the, the pros were it, it launched us to a pretty large user base and got the name out there pretty quickly. It also brought in some immediate revenue. The downside is that a lot of the AppSumo users were not great, uh, very price conscious and super, um, basically a customer support headache. Right. Um, so I don't know, I could go both ways. I do think it really helped us just get the name out there and launch. And then we just kind of steadily grew after that, um, doing content marketing. So writing blog posts, trying to rank for keywords, uh, that would lead people to need a product like that, such as like Google docs to WordPress no one right. was really ranking for that kind of stuff. And so we went after um, keywords like that. And then I sent it to, I basically gave free access for like a month to some influencers to try to get them to try it that had audiences of people that were bloggers and hoped that if they used it enough and saw value that they would start writing about it and telling their audience about it. And I think that worked to some extent too. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how we grew it in the beginning. Love it. Are, are you guys, uh, do you guys ever think about releasing other products within the agency or are you guys just kind of focused on the service side at the moment? Yeah. I mean, we've gone back and forth. I mean, the whole business originated with the idea that we wanted a product based business and not a service based business. Right. So we've always gone back and forth. Um, at this point, I think it just makes more sense for us to focus on the service. There's a ton of demand, we have the process in place, like all the hardest parts, I think have been kind of figured out at this point. The machine um, is well oiled, huh? Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't easy. And yeah, to be honest, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a constant process. I mean, every, every single time you, you grow, I don't know, let's say like 300 or 500,000 in revenue, things start to break. Um, right. And so it's just a constant process of, trying to solve those problems and building a solid foundation that you can scale off of again. But I think, yeah, to the largest part, I think we have a process in place and it's really just about finding team members who can execute on that. That's kind of the biggest challenge that we face. And that's probably the only limiter to growth right now is just the team and making sure that we have good people. And right. yeah, if, if we have another product that we use or that we, truly understand or we have a problem and we build something to solve it for ourselves that would probably be when we launch another product at, at this point in time we did just rebuild it in our entire course for the last three months that shares 
our whole process on content marketing. And we I saw that, that actually. I saw that actually, man. How's that? How's that going? Yeah, it's, it's gone really well. So it, we doubled our previous record for every other course launch and we're getting consistent signups because we've left it always open now. Um, so that is kind of the new product and, and that's actually a decent revenue stream now. So just between the agency and that, um, I think it's a good mix of service and product because basically the people who want us to do the work for them, they have more money, more money than they do time. The agency is a good fit. And then on the opposite side, there's people who can't afford the agency and have more time than money. So now we have a product that we can sell those people to. So I think, and, and basically the content strategy and everything we're doing on marketing for our site um, drives sales for both of them. So I think it's the perfect mix uh, of product and service right now. I love it, man. I love it. Um, now, let me, let me ask you something about the client side. How, how, at what point do you, do you get to a client and you're, everything's fine and dandy, and then it comes to a point you're like, man, we got to get rid of this client. We got to fire them. Like, what, what's your like, worst case? You don't have to mention the clients. What's your worst case scenario where you're just like, man, I did not see that one coming? <laughs> we had a lot of them. I, I mean, to me, that's good. Yeah. We've probably fired a lot of clients. Um, right. We have, yeah, so one thing now, now we vet for a lot of this stuff on the front end. Um, I think source of, of a lot of the issues in hindsight, we don't want to take on clients that are too early. Um, right. So oftentimes we would get clients who were just starting out and didn't really have proven product market fit. And then they're expecting content to drive all this growth for their business when they haven't really proven out a sales and marketing channel. So that was probably one of the core problems is just misaligned expectations right. uh, at the beginning. Um, so th that was probably, I could probably name six plus clients that fell into that situation that we just decided to part ways with. The other is on the editing side, if we, pr again, I think this typically happened with a lot of the smaller companies, but they would think of every single piece as like a PR announcement almost and not having a strict utilitarian uh, purpose of driving traffic from SEO and they needed to like massage the message in their own way. And that just causes a lot of friction. Um, and so we've had a couple of clients that like, literally would go in and line edit every single piece. And at that point, you're just like, you're not letting us do our process and you're wasting your own time. So it yeah. probably just makes sense to part ways because it doesn't seem like this problem is ever going to be resolved. Um, so really personality things where we just don't think those will change. Um, right. So there, there's, there's friction and, and you communicate that this isn't working for either side. And it's, it's a personality thing where it's just the person and you don't think that they're going to change. That's, that's typically a time where we would have a conversation and just say, I think it's better to part ways at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you guys have a specific kind of industry that you guys not prefer, but you're like, man, we really shine when it comes to this sort of, you know, whether it's like, I don't know, let's say a supplement company or it's a, you know, luggage company or whatever that might be. Do you guys have something where you're like, man, these are, these are our, our, our shining stars here. It's not really as much of an industry. I would say it's qualities of the company. Um, okay. So a large customer base, an extreme competitive advantage. Um, 
or are just very differentiated, mm -hmm. uh, some sort of unique process or um, a, like a very strong opinion is, is very is very good for us. Um, yeah, something where they shine in in some way above their competitors that we can exploit in content, basically. And so they just do something differently or they're different, they're different in the way that they position themselves or have a very specific customer base that they're trying to go after. Those are typically the better clients for us. Um, if it's just kind of like a me too product or a me too service and they don't really right. have anything unique to say, that's where we would really struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And do you guys, when it comes to those kind of, I mean, I'm assuming you still take on some of those Me Too products, right? Like there's, or, or you- not, not really, to be honest, anymore. Okay. So we have enough leads to kind of be able to pick and choose the clients that we work with. And, and so one of the things that we really look for um, when we do the sales call is what, what is the founding story? What was the motivations behind starting this? Um, that usually tells a lot about the company and, and how they thought about approaching the problem differently than their competitors. And if they have a very strong story and a strong reason for existing, and then they've extrapolated that into strong competitive advantages and differentiation compared to a bunch of, uh, compared to their competition, that's that's typically what we look for in like the perfect client. That's awesome. And, and uh, let me ask you, what is your kind of your life cycle of a client? How long do they usually? you know, stick with you guys. And my follow-up question would be when you take on one of these big clients, I'm assuming, you know, they already had some sort of content strategy in place or they did it internally or they hired another company. Do you guys come in and you just kind of like, Hey, we need to shift through a lot of your stuff and optimize it. And then they always like, Oh wow, you guys are doing a great job. Do you like make guarantees on anything? Like, Hey, we can bring up a lot of your, you know, the value that you currently have and all this, like, where does that stand uh, that, that sort of process? Because I mean, I'm, I'm assuming working with these big companies, they've, they've already tried to establish some sort of content strategy and they're coming for you for that next level th type of thing. Yeah. Great question. So the first one, Lifetime value. I, to be honest, I don't, I don't know it off the top of my head. Uh, we've had companies that have stayed with us for over two years. Um, Love it. so like almost since the beginning of the agency, um, they typically stop working with us when they want to build, like just build the content operation in house. And okay. so they feel like, I, I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I don't really get that whole mindset of like, we need to own the whole mindset and mind share of this channel in-house. Um, but I don't know, companies get to a certain stage and, and like to approach things that way. So that's typically when we would lose a client. Um, on the other side, let's see, can just go into the specific question that, that you wanted me to answer on the, the second part of that. Uh, like, for example, if a client comes to you and they're just like, hey, we've been doing blog strategy for oh, yeah. three, okay. three, four months, whatever year, and they want you to come in and just give them that extra, you know, level of, of quality. Yeah. So that's actually a good qualifier for us. We don't work with anyone who hasn't done content marketing before. Of course. Why? Yes. Be, why? Because the pitch and the process that we've developed are meant to solve a lot of the pains that someone who has tried this before has gone through. And so for, for example, if you, you've tried content marketing before and 
you, you've produced a bunch of blog content. It's not getting the results. It, it's typically a function of two reasons, two main reasons. One, the way that most people approach content marketing and the way that most companies approach content marketing is they try to find some freelancer who doesn't have knowledge on the industry or the, the space or the company. And they get them to come up with ideas and produce content that is supposed to educate someone who has a ton of experience on the industry and the space. Right. And so from the beginning, there's a complete mismatch in terms of the, the way that people are thinking about approaching this. You're trying to have someone who knows nothing, educate someone who knows a ton. And that's why you go into the search results and you read a bunch of content and it's just not impressive. It, you can clearly tell someone who, who wrote this doesn't know anything about your space. And so when we explain this to someone, they've typically gone through this their, themselves and have already come to the conclusion that their process is broken. And then we have a whole way to solve that for them. And so I think that resonates with them right off the bat. And then also if they've ever tried working with an agency before or have done it themselves, there's typically no process around promotion. There's typically, they don't have the right measurement in place to be able to see what leads are driving. And so we developed our whole process to solve for the same problems that we had experienced in our own careers, which was on the measurement side and the ROI side, most people's argument is that if you just grow traffic, some subset of that traffic will convert. And most people can't tell you how much of that, what the conversion rate off the blog, which blog posts are generating leads. And so the common wisdom is that if you just grow traffic, leads will come. And we've proved that wrong, um, <laughs> basically, because you can, you, can write, you can generate traffic very easily by going after high volume keywords, but our whole process around pain point SEO shows that intent is the, actual, the most important thing. And the conversion rates skyrocket when you're producing blog content that ties to a pain point or, or a reason why someone would buy. Um, and so just through our, our case studies and our, all of our examples, we can typically prove this to someone and share our process. And it resonates with people because they've lived through all these same problems there themselves and they don't know how to fix it. And so they would rather just pay someone who has gone through trial and error to figure out the right process to, to just kind of execute for them. And that, and that's why you take only people on who've already had a content strategy because they know those pain points. So it's a lot easier. Of a, yeah. Of a sell, so. so we've tried to take people that didn't have that, but you don't understand how difficult this is until you've done it yourself. And so yeah. from a client expectation standpoint, the, the, the clients who haven't done it themselves have way shorter timeframes on what results they should see at any point in time versus the ones who have tried it before they know how difficult it is they truly appreciate the approach and the way that we're doing it and they understand it takes time so the latter are the better ones for us just because if we have a down month or results are taking a little bit of time they're more accepting of that versus people are raising their their hand the second you have one down month in traffic or results uh, if, if they haven't done it before because they think things just go up in a straight line. 
Yeah. And, so, and what, so I just what found it's good from an expectation standpoint. It's just we align our expectations with people who, who understand the challenge right. that we're facing. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm sure, and I'm sure you save yourself a lot of headaches, man, because yeah, it, it's, it's like, I always say we, we get these clients that we, we usually tr tend to pick up other agencies shit basically. Cause they'll come in, they'll try to build something for a client. It doesn't work. And then they come to us and be like, Hey, can you do it for this much? I'm like, no, I got to rebuild this whole thing because they had no idea what they were doing. And you went down a completely wrong path. And, you know, but, um, so what is your, what is your kind of, when you bring a client on, for example, uh, what is, and I know this is obviously a lot of it has to do with like Google and what's going on, but what, what is the kind of the turnaround that you guys see? Is it a three, six month period? Is it a year sometimes where you're like, man, not, not much is happening within this time frame? Like what, what does that usually entail to? Yeah, we would never get to a year without seeing results like that. Of course, of course. Even, even six months. So really you, the way that we think about it is we try to beat ourselves every single month. And so month one, the first thing that you're going to see is a, an increase in traffic because we do um, paid ads as well as the SEO. Um, okay. So you'll start, you'll start to see results come in from the paid ad side. Sometimes you'll start to see conversions in month one or month two as well. And so the first success metric that we tell people to look for an increase in traffic from the right audience. And the second would be conversions starting to come in. And in the beginning, it's like a trickle of conversions. And so it just gives you an indication that things are moving in the right direction and the process is working. Um, and then scale typically comes from when we start to get a lot of the pieces to rank for the respective keywords that we're going after. And so that will start typically happening in month three through six. Um, yeah. But really, you'll start to see the really good results after a, like a year or more. And so right. in the beginnings, we're just proving that the process works, that you're starting to see signs that things are moving in the right direction because you're seeing a traffic increase and a lead increase. Um, and then that gives them the confidence to stick with it because you know that once we're able to rank for all the keywords that we're targeting, that's when you'll start to see a real acceleration in, in the results. And, once, and, and the benefit to this channel too is once you build it, and, and you're ranking for all these keywords, cost comes down over time um, because like the lead volume goes up, traffic volumes goes up as opposed to other channels where you have to keep pumping money into it over and over again, like paid or something like that. Yeah. So that really the longer people work with us, the more benefit that they get from it. And so the way that we benchmark things, the beginning of the engagement, we try to figure out what's the, the value of a lead um, to them and we set a lead goal uh, that is against the cost of our engagement. So we say it's gonna take X number of leads to break even on the cost. And that's what we track towards on a monthly basis. And then once we hit that, um, everything above that is, is profit. And then we just continue to scale from there. I love it. I love it. And, and do you guys mainly work with product companies or is a lot of, uh, you know, digital stuff and you know, what, what is your, what is your kind of like, uh, overall like sentiment of companies? Is it, is it, yeah, we have a lot of SaaS. Um, yeah. A, yeah. A good amount of SaaS. We have two other marketing agencies that we do their marketing for them or their content marketing for them, uh, an e-commerce company. So like kind of spread out between, B2B and B2C. Uh, we just wrote a case study recently on B2C content marketing. We'd only taken our first B2C client a year ago. Wow. Uh, but from a results perspective, 
we got better results than any other client that we've worked with. And so we wrote a case study on that. And then now we've started getting a lot more B2C leads. And so we're bridging more into the B2C side of things now, but I'd say majority are, are definitely SaaS businesses. Um, and, and our process is, is really good for those. And then e-com, the, the product has to be a high enough, enough price point to make sense. Um, so yeah, we wouldn't do something like jeans or something like that. Right, that right. makes sense. And there's not a ton of differentiation, but like stuff in the health, health space is, is good where there's basically the indicator is how, how much is someone going to research this product or the service prior to buying. Ah, okay. So that, okay, that's, okay. that's what we would think through beforehand. So like, is someone really going to research what t-shirt to buy? Probably not. But is someone right. going to research a solution to, um, let's say the, the best um, protein, powder for keto or something like that where there's health implications and there's a lot of different brands and there's certain ingredients that people would want there's symptoms that people have from like yeah, other things yeah, yeah. that's definitely something that would be right in our wheelhouse wow love it man love it that's awesome that's awesome so what are the what are the goals for growing convert are you guys trying to ramp up uh, more writers more, bigger team what's what's the next like year look for you guys look like for you guys i should say yeah as i said i don't know there's no really like goals it's really just the, the goal is just to keep growing, to keep heading in a positive direction um, and to keep challenging ourselves, I think. So take on the clients that scare us a little and see if we can get results, take clients in different industries and make sure our process is proven across different segments and different types of businesses. Um, yeah. And, and keep, keep growing the team and, and keep helping our team achieve the goals that they want, whether it's monetarily or whether it's just experience as well. Uh, I think that those are the main things that are important. And I think if you just focus on that stuff, just the rest of the stuff kind of falls into place and it's gravy. So yeah, that's kind of the main focus for us. Are you guys all us based or are you guys all over the world kind of thing? Um, we have one person in the Netherlands. Uh, otherwise everyone is in the U S I love it. I love it, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, do you have any, do you, you have any questions like for me or anything like that you want to cover? Um, I know we're, we're, we've been chatting here for, for a little while. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do really appreciate everything you kind of went through. I think this is, it's awesome, man. I think it's, it's really helpful. Um, and, and thanks so much for being so transparent, man. Like, do you, yeah, do you of course. I don't really have any questions. Uh, cool. I appreciate all the questions that you asked. And I think it was, it was a good conversation. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh, and, and just for uh, Pete's sake, just uh, tell people where they can like find you and look you up and where they can reach out to you, man. I'm, I'm hoping that a lot of people will take a look at this and kind of learn something and understand your process. And I think yeah. you know, the, the transparency, I think is key, man. I think I, I appreciate that. And I'm going to, I'm going to take that back and see how we can rebundle kind of our process with clients and see, you know, um, how, how we can maybe let them in a little bit more. Cause like I said, there was a lot too many, too many fires burning at one point. I was like, man, I can't, it's like, man, Managing another group of people that are not yeah. directly, you know what I mean? So it's just it one is. of those. Yeah. Um, most active channel is just Twitter. So if people want to reach out, uh, it's at Benji Hyam, B-E-N-J-I-H-Y-A-M. And I will typically respond to everyone there. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, Benji, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Um, this was, like I said, this is awesome. It's a learning process for me. And uh, thanks for sharing all your insights, man. I, I think it's fucking awesome, dude. Of course. Yeah. Happy to help.
All right. Cheers, brother. I'll be in touch. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. You too, man. Later.